This is Camp Life, The Other Side. A bi-weekly podcast for summer camp professionals. Hosted by Kelly Cook and Natalie Hamilton. Now it's time to explore the other side of summer camp. Welcome back to our podcast, Scamp Life, The Other Side. I'm Kelly Cook, and I've got with here to me, wow, words are hard today. I'm just giving, uh, it's just hard. I've got with me today, Natalie as well. And today, Hello. And today we are going to be talking about if we are truly preparing our staff for the real world. So I know for myself, that's my big focus during staff training is that we are preparing them for outside of camp. But I think we're t- talking more today about if we're really preparing our staff for the real employment world, correct? Did I get that right, Natalie? Yeah, yeah. So we we kind of have had this topic rambling around our ideas or in our heads a little bit for a while now, in all honesty. And just with the nature of camp and with our normal day-to-day of what we need our staff to be able to do. Is, is it truly giving them those transferable skills going on after camp? Um, and not so much those soft skills. And I think we, we focus a lot and talk a lot about how staff can benefit from soft skills working at camp, like you know your communication, critical thinking, team building, all of those things that all of us have plastered on every single one of our job ads as we're trying to find staff at this point in time. Um, but a little bit more on those, those harder, those technical skills. What are some of those technical skills that we can be giving them or can we give them more, more opportunities to, to try and learn and be proficient in before they move into post-camp world? And you, I mean, if you want to talk a little bit about the, the roundtable you just went to a little bit ago, which that just kind of reaffirmed th- this conversation of what are we doing and what can we what can we work on better and do better? Yeah, absolutely. So I was at a roundtable discussion with one of, I'd call it a local university. They're not too far from us, um, but it's definitely not the local university. Uh, so I went to to the university. They did a, a roundtable discussion for em- employers in the area, as well as small businesses, large businesses, whoever just wanted to, to be at the table, as well as they invited uh, the superintendent of the schools that is for that county in which the university is in. So for the elementary through high school students, as well as a few of their other staff. And so it was a really great discussion. But the thing that I think we we determined very early on in that discussion was that there is a skills gap. Uh, a lot of the students who are graduating out of high school and out of college and trying to go into the workforce are are, don't have those hard skills that employers are looking for specifically. So I know like in our, in our, in our field of, of camping, you know, the hard skills that we a lot of times provide or that we think of right off the bat. I mean, we, we certify our staff in CPR and first aid. So that's a certification that they can take with them as well as, you know, our lifeguards and our rope staff. And if you train in archery or any of the other specialized activities, we, we, pro- we provide those hard skills for them. However, not every employer needs someone to be certified in ropes or lifeguarding (laughs) or CPR and first aid. So for us, I mean, those are our hard skills. But if we are trying to uh, bring in those those other students, other 
people to work on staff for us? Are there other hard skills that we can provide them to help kind of close that skills that gap and attract more of those kids, staff, whatever you want to call them to come work for us so that this way they can get those skills and then go into other fields other than youth development or education. Yeah. And I think it starts and we need to kind of take a big picture look up. It's not just necessarily when they are at camp working with us, but it's it's our entire our process from the application process, the interview process, them actually working for the summer, end of summer, what that kind of wrap up or review that you have with them is, that entire staffing process for them for that particular season, where are the areas where we can add in or, or beef up the the real world applications for them to to make it more realistic to what they're going to experience outside of here also brings up the question of are we too lenient on them do do we allow allow things to slide do we overlook things do we you know not not jump on opportunities for for development or for even um consequences or things of that sort because one we're desperate for staff we don't want to lose them um but are are we are we giving them too many allowances that that's also not truly preparing them for what they can expect outside of camp yes we want camp to be a real play our fun place we want them to enjoy themselves while they're here but when it comes down to it, it is still a job and so we, we need to walk that line of professionalism and show them and help teach them how you can still be professional in a setting like this and then take those skills and, and move on to, to your next adventure. Yeah, so let's start with the interview process. So I know for myself, when I'm interviewing a lot of staff, first of all, a lot of our applications, the application, even before we get to the interview, I feel looks really different, uh, you know, a camp application rather than just a generic application. Uh, you know, a lot of places, we'll just take a, we'll just take a resume or pretty much make you fill out exactly what's on your resume on your application to, Mm -hmm. to get, you know, in, into a location. However, you know, we just edited our application to, to almost simplify it or make it look like one of those applications (laughs) primarily just to ease the process and bring in applicants. But I mean, we are asking for skill set, but we asked for a totally different skill set and it's more of like hobbies. We're asking them what their hobbies are (laughs) in in, in an application. And so, I mean, do we want to continue that as an, as an industry, not just us, but like as an industry, is that something we want to be doing is continue those very lengthy application processes, processes. I did this the last time we recorded this (laughs) processes, processes, whatever it is. And in this day and age with, you know, the generations that are coming, coming up, want things instantaneously. So are those long applications preventing us from getting applicants? Yeah, I mean, we've, it's not just us, everyone is hurting for staff, but if you ask, at least in my opinion, personally, a detailed application along with a resume, along with a detailed cover letter and everything else, that is the the professional aspect. That is the professional way to apply for any position, not just a camp position, but any position. But as times are changing and as you know, generations are are ex- not expecting but needing different things. 
um, is, is that still applicable for them? Especially considering I, we talked a lot about the fact that most of our staff, this is the first job they've ever had. So if we want them to have a five page application plus a resume, and it's not going to say much. So is that is that worth them putting that much time and effort in to to a, a almost meaningless document in that sense for a first time job? However, them understanding how to do a resume, how to fill out a application appropriately to highlight the skills that they have had is still very necessary skills that they need to have hard skills they need to have going forward. So, I mean, yeah, it's a toss up. We want to, we want the application process to be as easy as possible to at least help get those applications in since we all are in this, this hiring struggle just to get applicants in the first place, um, let alone actually get them hired onto staff. So we want to simplify that process as much, but are we actually hindering them in the long run? Or is this the sign that as not just the camp and Industry, but all industries need to change that process. All, all of us need to rethink our hiring practices and rethink from the beginning our application process and just the fact of being able to get to the application and fill out the application. Are, are we going to be paving the way for change in that sense and you know, providing that you can still do quality interviews, get quality applicants with a more simplified process? I, 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 don't I don't know. It's it's one of those. It's it's battling what we have always done and what we feel is professional versus what the new generation coming up sees as professional. Absolutely. Okay. So we filled out an application. Now we get into the interview. I will say that my interviewing is it could be better. I'm not gonna lie there. <laughs> I could I could be better at interviewing, but primarily when I say better at interviewing, I'm referring more to really asking more job related questions and by job related I'm just I'm real broad right now but more typically asked questions in an interview is what I mean mm -hmm. by by better interviewing because I do like I like fun questions because they give me the information I need and so mm -hmm. whenever I ask those fun questions that don't have a wrong answer and things like that I have motive behind those questions. I strategically pick fun questions to get a sense of what they are able to do or who, what their personality is or who they work best with and things like that. So this year's question is if you could run a marathon, uh, where, where, where do you place as well as how do you get to the end? And that's because camps are long and exhausting. And so, I mean, if someone tells me that they can, you know, they pace themselves. Cool. Great. You're going to try and pace yourself through, through camp. But I also want to kind of see where they think they would place just to gauge a confidence level as well mm -hmm. with something like that. Uh, so yeah, so that's, I mean, but that tells me more than your typical, where do you want to be in five years question? <laughs> yeah. I, I like to think of interviews, at least the interviews that I do for my staff is it's more of a conversation and less mm -hmm. of an interview. And I feel like that's fairly common in, in camps is we want to get them. Yes. We still have, you know, your standard interview questions that we have to ask, but it's much more conversational. It's a lot less pressure. It's a lot less stressful because we truly want to get to know them as a person 
in addition to their skills and their background, but we want to get to know them more as a person and have more of that personal connection with them. And that just goes back into that, that whole community theme that we feel in camps and wanting them to be a part of the family and getting to know them in that sense is going to give us a much better idea of will they be successful in a camp setting or not. But again, that's not the norm in most other industries. So do we necessarily want to lose that campiness of our interviews? I know I don't. But again, how can we better integrate those more common HR driven questions that they are going to encounter talking about, you know, specific skills, specific backgrounds, talking about goals, talking about strengths and areas of, of growth in a more formal, less conversational, more almost stressful interview type setting. Um, and again, it, it's that that double-edged blade of we don't want to necessarily lose our identity of the, the fun camp place, but is that that our interview process, is it not being as beneficial for our staff? Can we still keep that conversational, that less stressful interview process, but still add in those other questions to, again, help better prepare them moving forward? Um, I Something else I just thought of, I know we had mentioned it before, about pre-emailing interview questions to interviewees or potential applicants. Um, I know we've talked about that a little bit before, and I, I, I don't know how I feel on that. I personally don't like giving them interview questions beforehand. I, I want to see a little bit how they think on the fly, but I do know that that is also common in other industries where they will send out, you know, some of the questions that they really want them to have a very thoughtful, detailed answer about versus just putting them, you know, Johnny on the spot and on the phone or over Zoom. So is that something that we might be able to incorporate is send them out ahead of time, those more detailed oriented HRA questions that we want a true thoughtful answer from, have them send them back to us, we can talk through those and then still have that, that fun campy conversation for the rest of the interview past that point. I don't know, just a, a potential idea. I didn't idea. even think about that. That's, that. I didn't even think about that because I always think about, <laughs> I've, I've never thought about doing it ahead of time. I mean, I've, I've thought about different ways of doing like an experiential interview, which is a whole like other, other question because now, now we're kind of, I'm trying to keep the seasonal route, but I have my own opinions yeah. on, on essay questions for full-time positions. Um, mm -hmm. but I've, that's, that's what I, I've never thought about it prior to the the interview i mean there's phone screenings but again mm -hmm. those are kind of a phone screen if you phone screen your staff we don't but if if you are someone who does phone screen your seasonal staff they're still usually on the spot like that, that phone screenings aren't even scheduled they just call you up out of the blue <laughs> and say hey thanks for you know filling out an application with so-and-so or i'm calling from so-and-so and, -so, and mm -hmm. you have a couple minutes to answer a couple questions and then they yeah. decide if they want to interview you from there. But again, mm -hmm. should we be doing that? Because that is, that is fairly typical mm -hmm. of general work where they will screen you and ask maybe three to five questions. And mm -hmm. then if they like that from there, then ask you to do a full interview. So again, yeah. similar, similar concept, 
Yeah. And I, I mean, that's a lot of time. Now I know we are only a, a two man team, but, and there's smaller teams out there who do yes. the hiring. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that would take a lot of work and there's something to be said that are you also the one sending those questions and interviewing them? Because mm-hmm. I feel like if you're going to phone screen or do an experiential or anything like that, I'd almost want it to be a different person getting yeah. the responses, getting the answers than like myself, because then I have a second opinion. Yeah. I think in, in, if we're talking full-time roles at camp, we, we all do a much better job in that sense of having your true HR team do that first initial phone screen and then moving on to a second interview and going through that process. But is that something that we want to or should be adapting to our seasonal process as well, given the fact that most of our staff are first time, this is the first job. And if, if we are drawing out that process for them in a sense of trying to give them a real world look as to the interview process outside of camp and then you know dominoes down the street calls them back as they also apply there and hires them instantly on the spot chances are they're not going to wait for us so in 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 this day and age it's kind of hard to to say what is the safer route to go but again something to think about is what are some other ways that we can incorporate some of those real world interview processes that we have all encountered in a full-time role, full-time capacity, and, and start giving them glimpses of that at as, as a seasonal capacity. So we've gotten through the interview process. They're hired. What now else they're working we- for us. Now they're working for us. <laughs> now they're working for us. Sweet. Awesome. We, we've got some staff. We'll, we'll, we'll breeze over staff training. We'll, yeah, we'll, we're we'll gonna, pretend that, that staff a, training was phenomenal and we're all great. Beautiful, wonderful, <laughs> that's great. Staff training went off without a hitch. We're great, yeah. we're working. And now- Now what? Now what? They're onboarded, yeah. they're ready to go. Now what? Are we, yeah. are we keeping people accountable? Are we really modeling kind of what- the workforce is like, are we, what are we doing to really help them out? Granted, not everybody can show up to work in, you know, a flannel and multiple prints and, and various things of that nature, but what are we really doing to help them out? Yeah, no, I would agree that that is where, again, we are such a unique and different job for most people that we don't want to lose that that culture of that fun camp atmosphere, but it still boils down to it is a job. It is still a job. We are still a business. We still have to make sound business decisions and our hiring practices and our um, employee practices throughout our season. And I feel like this is where most of us probably struggle the most in being able to really set the tone for what will be expected outside of camp. Mainly one, I, the biggest concern is, are we going to lose them? (laughs) If we, (laughs) we're so so short staffed at this point, we're barely making it through. If I hound them about this policy, if I get after them about, you know, making sure you keep your mask on, keep your phone away, all of those things, are they going to leave? And we, we get in this internal debate of, is it really worth it? Is it easier just to let, let it go and let it slide? 
to save face to save the staff. But how is that translated into positions outside of here? I mean, I have one of my writing instructors, she only works part-time here and she works full-time at a factory type setting. And it's the type of setting where you cannot have your phone out on the floor. Like you cannot, it stays in the break room, stays out. And if they see you with your phone out while you are working, they will fire you on the spot. No questions asked. And I bring up phones just because it's something that all of us, I feel, have related to. And there have been so many questions and struggles and concerns and pleas for help on all of the social media platforms that we're all on for camp professionals asking about staff and phones. And many of us have got to this point where like they'll flat out say, like, honestly, it's a battle. I'm not willing to, to fight at this point. I'm just going to let them have it. Well, how is that translating going forward? If your policy is no phones, yet you are allowing them to use their phones or be on their phones throughout the day, how are we setting them up for success moving forward? In that instance, we're not. We're allowing them to bend and break those rules, regardless of whether they agree with the policy or not. The policy is the policy, and they're only going to hinder themselves going forward if they go to a different a different type of job, like a factory, like a uh, manufacturing plant, things like that. Safety concerns come into play. Security concerns come into play. All of those things where it's not acceptable and they're going to have a pretty rude awakening once they get into that, that setting. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, but I think it's really important to hold our staff accountable. I know (laughs) our supervisor had that fun conversation (laughs) with me not too long ago. (laughs) It was, it was my, my yearly eval. And he jokingly told me that I am not warm and fuzzy and from the south (laughs) (laughs) so down here in in Alabama there at least what I have noticed is that people are really nice down here don't get me wrong people are really Mm -hmm. really nice but at the same time they're willing to give a lot of chances and Mm -hmm. for better or worse that's just the culture it is however (laughs) that is not me According to my mother, that is not me. And that's, that's your New Yorker showing, Kelly. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very much so. Uh, born and raised New York. What can you say? Uh, but I'm very, and I don't get me wrong. I have been one to, to play the game of, oh, I need the staff or this wasn't as bad. But I'm also one to hold someone very much accountable at more so than other predecessors from other positions that I have been in mm-hmm. I'm usually the one of the bad cop and will yeah. will do the write-up I will do the verbal warning I will let somebody go not that I enjoy it at all but I will do it if I have to do it and yeah you know it's again with the phones it's it's just one of those things that I feel like we always keep relooking at it but I think mm-hmm. it needs to be truly figured out as to yeah. what what we're doing because that I feel like that's one of the more lenient ones that one yeah. and then also depending on your camp I feel like supervision is another one that gets overlooked because mm-hmm. it's such a broad thing like mm-hmm. when we when we talk about supervision it's keeping eyes on campers and making sure they're safe yeah yeah it's, it's an abstract topic it's, it's an not ab- a- yeah 
closed-toed shoes are required. This is the hard and fast of it. Flip-flops obviously are not allowed then. It, it's an abstract topic that there is no hard and fast, do this, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's just something to think about, but I think accountability mm-hmm. is definitely one, like you mentioned with, with the instructor who works in the factory setting. Mm-hmm. If we can't hold, hold to it, then why is it a policy? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's something you look at too. If, if it is a policy and you are struggling with having your staff to follow and adhere to it, does it need to be a policy? Or is it one of those things where it's been in the rule book for 20 years and you just kind of like, okay, it's in the rule book. We're going to keep going forward when don't really think second, don't have a second thought about it. Does it truly need to be a policy? Does it truly need to be in there as an expectation? And Again, we fast track through staff trainings, assuming that all of our staff training went very, very well and expectations were laid out clearly, but maybe you need to backtrack to your staff training to argue with setting up your expectations clearly and why. If you have a policy, why is it there? Um, especially with this, gener- this is something we talk tons about is the, the coming generations, not that they want to not adhere to the rules, but they want to know the why behind it. They want to understand the reasoning. So give them the why or give them the rule and then give them the why and then empower them to enforce it amongst themselves. But I, I also feel like there's this stigma almost around write-ups. Um, I mean, when I first started working, I, I worked at Sonic for my very, very first like <laughs> official job in high school. <laughs> I was one of those ones on the roller skates going around to all the cars oh, delivering food. You can I barely was, you know, walk through the mud. How did you get around <laughs> on roller skates? <laughs> I survived somehow. But anyway, I remember all of us, like there were write-ups almost every single day day for something. There wasn't this stigma around, oh my gosh, a write-up is the end of the world. I'm going to lose my job. It was a very common practice. And I'm not saying that necessarily a written warning needs to be common practice, but I feel like we need to get back to the part of, of, of again, being that, that good supervisor and that role model of if something happens, addressing it on the spot, whether that be with a true verbal warning, whether that be with a written warning, a true write-up, but it helps hold everyone accountable and keep them, you know, keep them successful in their jobs. And I feel like there's this stigma around, oh my gosh, I don't want to write this person up because they just, they're, they're going to quit on me. They're going to leave. They're going to think they're a terrible employee. It was just a mistake. And I think we need to, that's where we need to start is write-ups are are somewhat normal in an employee situation. There's a good chance you're going to get written up at least once in your career at any job you are for something, whether it's a big something, a small something, but just that that stigma around the write-up is the end of the world, it isn't. And, and again, maybe it's it's having a different name for it, having a different verbiage around it or a different type of conversation around it as a growth opportunity. This is a, a something that we saw that sh- isn't allowed, we shouldn't be doing, but here are some ways that you can better yourself from it. Absolutely. So is there anything else that you think we need to touch on that could really be beneficial for our seasonal staff that we may need to work on or that we're doing really good in? Is there anything yeah. that we do well <laughs> to help prepare our staff? Because 
right now it just sounds like we need to go through our entire hiring process again and, and rework it, which seems to be the, the bulk of all of these conversations we do is I end up leaving our conversations going, well, now I have more work to do. So instead of this just being a conversation. No, I, yes. And I think it's, it, it's human nature. It's easy for us to point out our faults. It's hard for us to point out things that we do really, really well. And Cam Syndrome will do real things really, really well in a large scope. One, we provide lots of first job opportunities for lots of youth. That right there is, you know, we're at least starting them off on the right track. We're giving them a good opportunity to enter the workforce. Um, and especially with, with work that is meaningful and impactful. Um, I feel like camps in general listen to their staff far more than any other industry. We are almost to our detriment, very in tune and in touch with our staff, their needs, their own mental health, their just their, their being, <laughs> their self, their identity. We are very in tune with that and have very open and honest conversations with them for the most part. I feel like that, that sense of community that, that camps provide is a huge benefit and something that we all do very, very well. Um, another thing, I just feel, I feel like a lot, most camps at least have lots of opportunities for staff, whether that be true leadership advancement, role advancement, um, other types of advancement opportunities. I feel that camps for the most part have a lot of natural progression for that, which is, is nice for staff to see that that is something that is a skill, not only here, but also out in other jobs. Another thing that I think we need to put a little bit more, more emphasis on is like a true exit interview. You know, any position that I have had, especially when I have, I've, if I have voluntarily left there and have been there in any kind of professional capacity, there has always been some sort of exit interview. And not just like an end of season eval or a mid season eval, a true exit interview just to give the staff a chance to really have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you and where do they feel that they succeeded well in? What do you think that, what did we see in them? What did they see in us? Just having a good, honest, open conversation and more of a true exit interview capacity. Because again, that is a very common thing outside of camps and in any industry. And, and it's, a, it's a chance for you to, yes, share frustrations, but also help better that, that company, better that, that place of employment going forward. Yeah, whatever you just said, that all great. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's true though, because it's especially the exit interview, because I feel like too, at least I do, I slack on the end mm -hmm. of so, summer evals. <laughs> Well, I'm we exhausted. We're, I'm we're, exhausted. We're just, I'm like, trying. oh my gosh, I made it to week 10. I can go sleep for three but, days now. But not just that, but I I mean, other than being the exhaustion, you're also focused on wrap up for the summer and like, what are mm -hmm. all the things that have to get done before your staff leave? And for us, all of our staff leave on the bus with everyone at the last day of yes. camp. We don't have like a cool, all the kids are checked out, all the staff are here, hoorah, like we're done. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, like there is no hoorah, we're done. There's nobody here when I go, hoorah, we're done. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's just you I and mean, me. It's, yeah, it's just us and I'm usually the one, uh, yeah, we're, we're, and then we're like. Unless we're driving a bus. <laughs> I was going to say that last summer, 
I was sitting here by myself and <laughs> my supervisor calls at one point while all the people were exiting. He goes, I figured you would be in your office alone dancing. <laughs> nope. You I were dancing. Outside. I was I was driving a bus of kids to the bus no, but, stop. <laughs> but I was dancing outside with the staff who were also glad last summer was yes. over because of how difficult last summer was. Yeah. So, but no, I do think all of, all of that is really important and really to look at what more can we do for our staff to prepare them for real world, quote unquote, real world jobs. Mm-hmm outside of this capacity because we are kind of this anomaly of of fun and everybody sees us as the fun job but any job can be fun yeah so I think it's just better preparing them but that's something for everybody else who has now just listened to us spiral down our our lovely (laughs) yes our spiral that's our spiral absolutely but before we wrap up, I think there's one other piece that is kind of overlooked in this capacity. Um, and that's what do, how are our LIT, CIT, your in-training programs preparing to become staff members as well? Because that that's a transition that I see a lot. And again, I'm not heavily involved in those types of programs in my role. So I have like an outsider's view of it. But the amount of staff that I have seen that have grown up as a camper came as, you know, whatever your, your in-training prog- progression is, with TCIT, junior counselor, et cetera, when they make that shift to staff, they are still almost flabbergasted by the, the difference and the shock of what that position truly is. So are there things that we can be incorporating now more so in our leadership training, leadership type programs to also better help our, our, our future staff. And I mean, we can talk for days on LAT programs and we don't have that time, obviously, but yes. I'd almost want to put that out to our listeners and be like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious what everybody else does. I know that's always a big conversation of what you're doing for your IT programs or mm-hmm. who, who has this and how can I build it and, and so on and so forth and, and whatnot. But I am curious as to if there are any programs out there who do have either hard skills or a very open book way of getting your ITs ready. Because I everywhere I have ever gone, it is like that. And yeah. I feel like I revamp our IT program every year. And every year, yeah. <laughs> our poor junior counselor kiddos who have come up from Mm -hmm. it and we have hired them because they did a great job as it are still deer in headlights yep yeah and again it's i feel like as an industry we focus a lot on soft skills which are still very important again don't get me wrong let's not undervalue those soft skills but i feel like just across the board we need to be intentionally including more technical skills, more hard skills for them to learn and experience and try before they they move on from camp into wherever else their career takes them. Yeah. So if you have ideas of ways to add hard skills uh, to your programming or ways to close the skills gap or ways you hold accountability, we want to hear from you. So we have our all of our contact information for both Natalie and myself is in the show notes. Feel free to reach out 
on comments, questions you have about this episode, or if you want to pose a question to us for future episodes and come join us in our conversations because I feel like we need another voice sometimes to our <laughs> to our spiral and we are now because this is episode four we are now fully on Apple podcasts which is super exciting so make sure you like us subscribe rate us if you enjoy this rate us so that we can move up on that level of of podcast episodes and be seen more from other people and we will see you in two weeks. Bye, everyone. Bye.